Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 46 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I'm chatting with Virginia. Virginia runs a business called FashionFounder.me, and she teaches fashion entrepreneurs how to start a profitable business. What I love so much about the work that Virginia does is that she's learned all of this firsthand the hard way. Back in 2012, Virginia launched an activewear brand. She created her beautiful designs, she put up a website, and she hit go. The problem? Absolute crickets. Nobody was visiting her site, nobody was buying her designs, nobody was signing up for her email list. So she took a step back and she tried to find ways to learn how to actually make this work. She came up pretty empty-handed when it came to learning about all this stuff in fashion and finding online resources or courses, and so she had to go to the business world for help. She looked at business books, and she took some online business courses, and then she did something really brave and scary, and she reached out cold to founders of successful fashion brands, and she asked them out for lunch or asked them if she could pick their brain and ask them a few questions. And so she dug through all the information, through all the content, and she figured out what she needed to do to strategically and authentically attract, engage, and have conversations with an audience online and get them to her website, get them excited about her product, and ultimately get them to to love her product and to want to buy it. In this episode, Virginia goes through so many tiny, step-by-step, exactly actionable things that you can do to start your online business, whether that be from starting your Instagram and getting people from Instagram to your website Um, getting them from your website onto your email list. And then once they're on your email list, what do you actually say to them? How do you talk to them? We go through so many of these details exactly step by step. I know you're going to love this episode so much. Virginia also has tons of free resources on her website. There's links to all of it in the show notes, uh, guides on how to how to set up a strategic Instagram, how to find a factory, um, so many great resources. So definitely check those out. I read through all of them, and they are absolutely fantastic with real actionable advice you can use today. Now, I will ask you for a quick favor before we jump into the episode. Uh, Tons of you out there listening tell me all the time how much you love this ep- this podcast. I've had people recently tell me that this is like their Bible for making it in the fashion industry, which is so amazing. And so here's what I would love to get your help with. If you love this podcast, if you love this episode, please help share it with other people. There are so many more people out there that could be benefiting from all of this content that just don't know about it because they haven't looked for it or they just haven't found it or no one's told them about it. So I'm asking you, each and every listener out there, to help share this podcast with one person. So maybe that's a client that you work with and you think this would be beneficial for them. Maybe it's a a new brand you want to do work with and you can just send them an email and say, hey, I I found this podcast. I really thought you'd like to hear it because of these 
these reasons and, and give them some value. Tell them why you think it's so great. Maybe it's a friend who you know wants to break into the industry like you or is in fashion school. Whoever it is, take 30 seconds right now, hit pause, and I'd be thrilled if you'd share this podcast with one person. Thank you so much. It really means the world to me. Now, let's jump on to the interview with Virginia. As always, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit sfdnetwork.com slash 46. Well, welcome, Virginia, to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Can you please introduce yourself and let everybody know a little bit more about what you do in the fashion industry? Hi, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes, sure. Absolutely. So I actually wanted to be a fashion designer since I was really, really little, Um, I actually grew up in factories in Hong Kong, and I think at the age of two, I was like just crawling around between everyone's feet, collecting pins with magnets. So that were my first steps in the fashion industry or first (laughs) crawls. Um, My mom did everything she could to stop me from going into fashion um, because she felt the industry was really difficult and it's hard to find a job that you really like and colleagues that you really like. So... Yeah, I had to study business first. Um, I did. I really hated it. But I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. And um, wherever I could, I would intern in a fashion company while still doing the businessy stuff. Anyways, after I graduated, um, I put my foot down and was like, okay, that's it. Now I'm going into fashion. So I applied to Parsons and actually uh, got accepted. Um, And I was beyond thrilled. Uh, I still remember my first day like it was yesterday. Um, and I went there. I took more classes than <laughs> anyone else <laughs> and interned in like so many different companies, tried to get as much experience as possible, interned every single summer, every single break, um, tried to do as much as possible. And I absolutely loved it. It was exactly what I always wanted to do. And if I came home at 2 a.m. sewing my heart out for Fashion Week and then I had to get back up at 6 a.m., I was just so happy. I was still so happy doing all of those things. (laughs) So um, when Parsons was over, I, like so many of my friends, decided to start their own businesses. And uh, I actually moved from New York to California out of private reasons, um, my boyfriend and I had a long distance relationship for a really long time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to move to California. And I started my own activewear line. Activewear wasn't necessarily my biggest passion at the time. In fact, I always wanted to do couture. Most of my internships were in like high end ready to wear all the way up to couture and bridal. And I've worked on New York fashion week and I've done tons of hand sewing. So like what I really loved were big dresses, but my decision to, to start an activewear line was very, very reasonable and probably influenced by my business background. Um, <laughs> it was the cheapest thing to produce. It was the easiest thing to sell because activewear was just booming at the time. Yeah, where are we uh, in the timeline? Can you just give us a year about when that happened? That was about 2012, 2013. Okay. So not that long ago. Um, there, were not, there, there wasn't that much competition on the market either. There was like Lorna Jane... Lululemon and then like Nike and Adidas and everyone had seen that I was tired of it and then there were like two cool smaller brands um so I started the line and oh my god it was so hard to find a factory and I focused so much on like creating the perfect product and I asked for everyone's opinion and then I launched 
and nothing happened. It was really, really frustrating. Um, I think I, <laughs> I cried so much in the first year. It was just heartbreaking. Um, I also have to say I was a little bit full of myself because I thought going into this, like, I have a bachelor and a master's degree in business. Like, how hard can this be, right? Yeah. Um, so it was a really tough lesson to learn. And after about a year of driving forth and back between San Francisco and L.A., every time my factory had a problem, um... And problems could range from, oh, we're out of fabric, there's a stain on this fabric, and, oh my god, your production burned down. So, it was a whole range of things that happened. Um, so, after the first year, I had a little breakdown. I was like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and most of all, how can all those people that used to work for Google and Facebook and Pinterest in San Francisco... Um, quit their jobs and start a clothing line and they sell and I don't they're successful and I'm not what is the deal so I started cold calling a lot of people um, basically just asking them if I could take them out for lunch or coffee um, and if they would share their secrets with me and what I learned is that they weren't successful because their product was so much more amazing than mine what I really learned was that there's strategies that are proven for how to do business online, that there's lots of people that have spent countless of hours and thousands and thousands of dollars trying to perfect that. And all you have to do is look at what works for others. Test if that works for you, most likely it will. Um, tweak it a little bit, and most likely you can walk a path that has already been pre-made that was something that I had no clue about, um, and but that seemed like a smart thing to do. So I started investing in courses that taught me how to actually do business online, how to get people to visit your website, and how to optimize your website so that your product actually sells. And a lot of it seemed like common sense once I learned it, but then again, it obviously wasn't when I started. So after... I don't know, maybe two months of revamping everything I did. My business started to pick up. I started selling a lot. I reproduced again, um, launched a few more collections. And then I had the outlook of like, oh, I just got married. I want to move back to Europe to be closer to my family. What am I going to do with my business? And that was sort of the moment of like, okay, I mastered this now. Do I really want to start from scratch in Europe? And the answer was clearly no. And at the same time, I also started receiving a lot of emails and messages from friends whose businesses had sadly not succeeded or didn't survive. And I realized, oh, my God, I need to tell other people about all the things I learned. I could have saved them so much money, so much sweat and tears um, if I just shared that. So that all that led to the creation of Fashion Founder Me. Okay. Wow, there's so much amazing stuff that you just said, and we are going to like go through all of it step by step. Um, okay, I actually want to start like back when you made the comment of, I just, I found these people who had done this successfully from Google or Pinterest or wherever, you know, they had this business background and then they launched this fashion line. And like you said, their products weren't even as good as yours or arguably, you know, it, it, it was, it was just a product, but they were selling and it was working and you cold called or cold emailed or whatever outreach to them to ask them to take 
take them out to lunch and pick their brain. Um, like, let's start there because that's a really big ask. And it sounds like it worked. Like, you got people to give you their advice. So how did yeah. that even, like, like tell us a little tell- bit more about how that actually worked. So people in general are really, really nice. This is something that I realized throughout my entire entrepreneurial career. Every time I needed something, I just asked for it. Um, A lot of people are scared to ask, but the thing is, like, what is the worst thing that could happen? That they say, no, sorry, I'm too busy. Um, So basically, I was humble and... um, actually messaged a lot of people on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. um, got a trial month of LinkedIn premium and started messaging them. I'm like, hey, uh, I've been following what you're doing. Your business is like one or two years old, three years old. And it's amazing. I absolutely love it. I'm a trained fashion designer. And for some reason, I just can't figure out what I'm doing wrong in my business. And I really admire what you've been doing. And um, I've bought your product before. Mostly i I I did to just see what happens, like try it out and see like, what's the quality? What are they doing? Um, They were not ever my direct competitors. So for example, I asked for help from someone who ran a lingerie company um, and someone who ran a business wear company for like modern business women. Um, And some of them were friends of friends. San Francisco is really connected. So basically, you just started asking around, like, hey, do you know someone I could ask some questions? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had very specific questions. Some of them just got back to me via email. We're like, hey, I don't really have much time to go out for coffee, but these are the answers to your specific questions. Okay. Um, Okay. So it really depended, but mostly I would say people are just really nice. And if you approach them as, like, someone who really genuinely admires them and admires what they've built, then they're usually really happy to talk about it. Yeah, but you did a couple things that are so specific, which is why I think this worked, is one, you went in with like a very customized email or outreach via LinkedIn of, you know, why you like their product, congratulating them, giving them some type of a compliment, like showing that you knew who they were. Oftentimes you had even bought the product. And so you had some specific things to say like that is, is huge instead of just a generic email of like, Hey, you're doing well. I'm not. Can you give me some advice? Which leads me to the third thing you did, which was so amazing, is you didn't say, can you give me some advice? You said you had very specific questions to ask. Like you really thought about, okay, what information can I get from this person? What can they easily answer? How could they easily answer these questions? Instead of sometimes I think it's easy to ask these blanket open-ended questions of, can you give me some advice or, you know, just questions that are really broad and hard to answer. So those three things, going in with a compliment and knowledge about the brand that you're talking to, having done the research and maybe even looked into their and or bought their product, and then third, making a very specific ask is so amazing. And I don't even know if you did that strategically, but as you said that, I was like, oh, I just picked out those three things that you did, and that's why it worked. <laughs> well, there's there's some specific theory about how to ask people um, or, like, how to make things happen. There's a really, really great YouTube video. I've posted it in my group once. I don't know if you saw it, um, where basically people <sighs> – it was a lady who did, like, therapy, um, group therapy for people, and 
um, they, she started to come up with this process of like, well, what is the one thing that would make your life better? What would you need to make that better? And what is holding you back? And um, all kinds of amazing things happened in that video um, that or in those groups where one woman said, oh, I just feel really bad about myself. Like, what is the one thing that could make my life better? Oh, the one thing I really dream about is like dancing with Patrick Swayze. And what is holding you back? Well, I don't even know where he lives. And someone else in the group just raised their hand and goes like, well, I actually work at a resort where Patrick Swayze stays every <laughs> first weekend of the month. I could get you there to like introduce you to him. And that made it happen. And like these kinds of things. So that was probably something that inspired me as well to make my quests very specific. Yeah. And like, this is what I did. It's this free product. I also gifted them like free product after. Okay. Um, as a thank you. Yeah. But I made sure that it's more like a friend reaching out. Like I actually know who they are um, rather than just, you know, like a stranger asking you for five bucks on the street. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's such a good – it's a tip I've used a lot is like when you're writing these emails to people you don't know – like make it feel like you're writing to your best friend or your mom or your sister, whoever. And that's just going to make the email feel more organic, more human-like and less sort of like rigid, cold email. I mean, no one really likes to talk to robots, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> or feel like one in a thousand. If I get an email and it sounds like they've sent the exact same email to like 500 other people, I'm much less likely to respond than if I feel like, oh, they actually know what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. So this is great. And so many other things I could sort of extrapolate out into like how this is going to apply to your having a fashion brand. But let's jump into that next. So you had lunch or, or got replies from all these amazing people. Um, and you will and you did. I, I don't want to gloss over this either. You did follow up with a thank you, whether that be a physical product or just a thank you. But there's a lot of value in saying thank you for, for delivering that. Um, oh, I'll always say thank you. If you have a factory and they go like out of their way, or even just deliver on time, which is really rare. <laughs> Bring them freaking cupcakes yeah. or some. Respect Chinese New Year. Bring like a little something for the sewers. Because in the future, if they have to choose between your project and someone else's project, and you're kind of like at the same level of like, well, I mean, if you're Nike and like the, if the other person's Nike and you're like teeny tiny, then Nike's probably going to come first. But like, follow up, be nice to people, don't be a jerk. Really, you're, <laughs> your business is kind of doomed if your sewers don't like you. <laughs> and that's, by the way, a lesson I learned at BCBG, not even just as an entrepreneur. At BCBG, they treated their sewers so well. <laughs> like, each designer kind of bribed their own sewer trying to get their product out first. Uh, I was really good at that. I was responsible for embroidery, for evening wear. Yeah. And I knew exactly, I knew all the names and you had to say thank you and please in their native language. Um, and like, I need this really fast. I also knew that in their native language and I occasionally brought treats. So that is so cool. And I love, it's like so simple, but I think it's really easy to overlook that. Like it's really easy to look at that as like a business transaction and to forget that 
you know what? That other they're person people. is a, yeah, they're a real person. They have feelings. They have emotional connection too. And like, just, you know, be a friend a little bit and be nice. And like, what would you do if it was your friend? If they did a favor for you or if they pulled an all nighter to get your thing done? Yeah, you would probably bring them cupcakes or take them out for a glass of wine. And so think about your business partnerships like that as well. Um, for sure. My so my sewers actually put together um, for a wedding gift for my husband and me oh when we gosh. got married. Yeah. And they were a small factory and they worked late all the time. Like they would call me at like midnight and be like, I'm trying to finish this on time, but there's like a problem. Can you help me? Like, what should I do? Yeah. So, yeah. Those are priceless sort of relationships and friendships that you build. And that is what grows and expands into your next adventure and your next endeavor and, and creates your, um, I'll use the dirty word that we don't use a lot on the show. People have been pushing it out the door, but that your network, um, you know, and it's really relationships and friendships that just grows and branches out, um, for your next thing and your next thing and everybody helps each other build. So that's so amazing. Um, so you, said thank you to everybody. You got their amazing advice. And so then in six months or a year, if you need to uh, ask another question, they're probably more than happy to uh, answer. Um, but like, what was some of that advice? Because then you said you spent like two months kind of revamping everything. By this point, you already had your factory, you already had product and you put it out and it wasn't really selling. And then you two months, you did a bunch of research, you revamped and things started working. So talk to us a little bit about how that all worked. Like, what did you do? Okay, so there's, I guess, two uh, parables you could uh, you could tell people that makes it really easy to understand. One, if you open a store, where would you rather go, downtown or somewhere out in the green fields? You would go downtown because you would have foot traffic to pass by your store, see all the amazing things in the window, and hopefully that will entice them to come in. Maybe you will even put a sign out in front that says, come inside. We have free cookies. Um, and th that's really no different than what you have to do online. You have to path a way for people to find your store, to walk past it. Um, unfortunately, it's not as easy as like renting something downtown and being like, yeah, I know there's going to be traffic because it's downtown. The internet is all over the place. Um, and there's not really like many predefined paths, but there's some, you know, you can guide people, reach them on Instagram, guide them from Instagram into your store. That's your little sign up front. And then put some social proof. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but if you go into a store, it's completely empty and you and your friend go in, suddenly five other people from the outside will come in as well because now it's interesting, there's customers inside. And that's really the same thing for online. You have to path for people, uh, you have to make a path for people to find you. You have to care about how to get traffic. Um, and if you know that, you have to put up a big sign that says walk inside as well and take a look around. Um, so being very, very clear that you have to worry about where to get your traffic from and being very defined of like which routes people will take to find your store, that is one. And then the other one is if you go to a shopping mall, um, there's really clear instructions, right? Um, you don't just happen to park your park, uh, your car in the parking lot. It says, park your car here, 
walk to the door over there. Maybe there's even lines on the floor that will guide you there. Enter here. Now, there's a map that shows you all the options you have, and then you can decide what you want to do. And then inside the stores, you can see the product being displayed beautifully, right? It's the same exact thing um, for when you do business online. You have to tell people, okay, enter website here, go to the shop here, leave your email address here, um, so that people know what to do. Um, a big thing I didn't do was I would just post pretty images on Instagram and call it a day. But actually adding calls to action, click here to, I don't know, get 10% off. Click here to shop this product online. Click on the link in our bio. Do this. Do that. Enter your information here. People are really, really good at following instructions and really not that good guessing what you want them to do, especially when you don't, when you can't talk to them or see them. So being very specific and precise about your calls to action is really important. And I guess the last one would be if you went to Chanel from the moment they opened their door to when you leave the store with your product in hand, every single thing is very defined. You have to think of that whole process, um, not just how they find you and what you tell them to do, but like the whole experience. There's an experience with online shopping as well from like unboxing your product is there a thank you note? Is there something that makes them remember you? Um, so being very specific about the experiences as well. Okay. So I want to get a little bit like that's such a good sort of 10,000 foot overview. And I love <laughs> the, I mean, my biggest takeaway from all of that is like, at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to be like really clear and tell people exactly what to do. You can't assume they're going to know oh go to the link and buy in the bio to do this or um you know sometimes I look at it as like just use normal words and just tell them do this um I think you know there's there's more elegant ways to go about it but just be really clear and guide them down the path so I wouldn't even worry about elegant so much yeah I mean there's ugly websites yeah but really (laughs) Talking in an elegant way often requires you to use words that are much more fancy than necessary, and it kind of obscures what you're trying to tell them. So just go really straightforward. That's really the, the biggest thing. I mean, it's called like button because, yeah, you like something, right? Um, and it's called login and that's what people look for. They look for the like button. They look for login. They look for shop. They don't look for like, this pleases me, enter here, or I don't know, put in your backpack. They, they look for a shopping cart. So there's certain like just expectations of like how stuff is called and like how language is used. And most people just prefer very simple, straightforward language. Yeah, really obvious and understandable. Yeah. Okay, so, but I think it's, like, there's still so much more to this. So if we step back and we look at, like, okay, the first thing you said was carve a path for them to get to your store. And so you used Instagram as an example. And so, like, let's start there. So you maybe post a picture of this beautiful dress that you're offering and you're very clear of, you know, what it is. And then you say, click the link in the bio to shop to buy this now or to check this out. Um, But before we even are to that point, 
like, how are we even getting people on our Instagram? Or I don't know if that's the the path that you want to go down. Or did you start with people on your Instagram once you you sort of revamped your shop? Um, yeah. Okay. I actually did. So okay. what happened is um, you have to decide. As I said, you, the first thing is you have to you have to path the ways for people to find you, right? Um, so it it's much more effective if you have one clear big path. Um, that kind of everyone goes down um, rather than like 50 different ones. So I, my suggestion is you focus on one, maybe two social media platforms. And I find for fashion, Instagram is just one of the easiest to use right now. Okay. Um, so first thing, you choose the path to for which people will find your site, right? That's kind of the first step of your sales funnel where like all the people come in. Um, you post content that's nice. Uh, but what you really need is a strategy, a really clear strategy, and you need to understand how you test things and how you draw conclusions for that. Um, so I notice a lot of people have really, really big problems with like how to actually formulate a strategy. So I wrote an ebook about that. It's called the action guide. And basically what you want to do is you want to post something for like a week like one specific type of content, for example, and then check your engagement and your um, following increase to see if if that had any impact, right? Um, you definitely need to use, you have to think of Instagram as a growth as two things. One, how many people can you possibly reach and how many people can you possibly retain? Um, that is what grows your following numbers, right? Um, so reaching is fairly easy to calculate um it's how many followers you have um then the kind of hashtags you're using because that will make your content pop up for people that aren't following you um it could be any kind of interactions so if you comment or like on other people's content um or even follow them there's a strategy called following and unfollowing and it's kind of a cheaty way it used to work pretty well yeah, it's kind of slowed down and it kind of has a bitter side taste, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It does work. It just doesn't have a very good flavor to it. Um, but there's like a hundred other strategies you could use. You could use location tags, for example. Um, on the Fashion Founder Me Instagram, I, I typically put in locations like New York Garment District, LA Garment District, or... London Fashion Week, for example, like images that were taken from, uh, like not even necessarily taken from there, but where fashion people could possibly hang out. Um, just so that I hope that it reaches some people with the geotag. Um, and then you can create content where you can tag other users, for example, like shout out accounts. For example, there's one that's pretty popular called Coffee and Clothes. There's Louboutin, Team Louboutin, where you could, if you had some content with Louboutin shoes, you could tag them. And ideally, you want to take like as many as possible because you f you show up in photos of them. And also, these kinds of accounts live from reposting good content. So if your photo is really pretty, chances are they will repost it. Okay. So, so, yeah, no, and tons of really, really great Instagram strategies there that I think, um, and I know you have tons of content on your site, so I'll link to a lot of that <laughs> in the show notes. Um, but I want to kind of think about what we're actually posting. Cause this is something I know you talk about a lot 
And I think it's super, super valuable. So you're getting a following on Instagram using all these various strategies. And then you want to funnel them to your website. I actually would prefer to funnel them to a squeeze page or a landing page um, to entice them to leave me their email address because the chance of them clicking through to my website once is like pretty good, but then a second time we're probably not going to do it. So I want to get their email address so that I can remind them of like, hi, I'm here. You used to like me. Maybe you still like me and maybe now you want to take a look at my product. Okay. So funnel them to a very specific location, like a landing or a squeeze page to collect their email. How are we convincing them to give their email to us? Well, there's a lot of options. What worked really well for active wear was I would partner with some athletes and run a contest, for example, like a flexibility challenge or like a, if it's like a more of a like fitness, fashion, lifestyle kind of thing, then it could be that. Um just like challenges, they also really liked um, just like raffles. Leave me your email address. You might win this tank top. And it's like a thousand people leave their email address and like you spend, I don't know, $25 giving out five tank tops. Yeah. So um, that does really well. Um, really like your usual things, like what other businesses, big businesses do as well, from coupons to raffles to giveaways to challenges. Um, there's a lot of things that you could do. Yeah, and I like that you're thinking a little bit outside the box because I think the obvious answer is, oh, put your email for 15% off your first order. But to me, yeah, yeah well, yeah, and so like to me, like every website has that basically for, for shopping. The pop-up window comes up and I'm like, I'm not even ready to make a purchase, so I don't really care about the 15% off. So entice me with something else, like a unique challenge or, you know, a chance to win or something. So I, I like that. And I, I, you know, going back to what you said earlier, that would be something you would probably want to test. And maybe you test three different offers and you see which one gets better engagement and sign up and and which one people react to better. No, definitely testing is a good thing to do, but also you could just switch it up. Alo Yoga is a brand that grew tremendously with like just yoga challenges. Um, But I like switching it up. We did a a flexibility training challenge. We did a lot of raffles. We did some giveaways. Um, That's just the same thing, just a different word for it. Um, And then we also did like a chance to be featured, like put your Instagram handle or like link the image of you wearing the product. Mm -hmm. And if you get featured, you get like a $50 gift card. Cool. Also in, in, in like entice them to upload more content for us to use on Instagram so that we didn't have to create content all the time ourselves. <laughs> it's a win-win on so many levels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, okay, so we get them from Instagram to a landing page, entice them with something cool, get creative, do some fun stuff to get them on our email list, and then what happens? Now we've got a bunch of emails, and what are we doing? Well, so the first thing when you have an email list, I would say, is get them to – like. Give them something that is interesting and personal. Coming back to what we said earlier, people don't like to talk to robots or feel like one in a million. Like, yeah, one in a million. They really want to feel like one in a million. They want to feel special. So definitely be like, 
Hi, Heidi. So nice to meet you. Thank you for signing up. I love having you on my email list. A little bit about me. My name is Virginia. I launched this clothing line. This is what our name stands for. Um, and this is why I launched it. I really love fashion, but I'm also a flexibility instructor. You know, like this is how, like this is what I, I teach people how to do splits and backbends. So I need an active wear that's like super stretchy and holds up well. And it's like really fun and really amazing. It's kind of like, a more flexible version of yoga or something like tell them something personal something that makes them remember you you don't know how many times <laughs> i would do like a trunk show or an event or see someone wear my yoga pants on the street and be like oh my god i know those i know where you got those because those are mine and they go like oh are you the flexibility teacher i'm like oh yeah <laughs> i am because people remember stories they they don't remember like this line was founded in 2013 by Virginia who went to Parsons and whatever has a business degree. No, they remember like, oh, you're the chick that teaches people how to do a split, right? Oh, I've always wanted to do a split. So I bought you pants thinking maybe that would help me, <laughs> you know? So be personable and like, like people, the internet gives you so many great tools to show, like to tell your story. Storytelling is so, so important. And like to to present yourself as a real person versus like a big anonymous company. Yeah. So use that to your adv advantage. Yeah, I think that it's actually such a simpler solution than anyone often thinks about. And I think that what can be really hard is that we can discount what people might find interesting and we can also, I think, discount what people, I don't, I'm not sure what the right word is. I don't want to say legit, but like, for example, if you come at it as I'm this big company and I was founded, blah, 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 and you try to like pretend like you're this big thing, you might. It's not authentic. But, but people can look at that as, oh, well, I'm going to paint this picture that I'm this big thing and look at that as like validation that, oh, of course, everybody wants to buy from me because I'm established in this big company and I've got this team and I'm all fancy schmancy business company as like a solid foundation. But the end customer relates so much better to you as an individual person who teaches me how to do splits. And, hey, I may never get the splits. Um, but that's fun and that's interesting and that's cool. And I actually am connecting with you more as like a real person. I start to feel like we're almost friends versus buying from a company. And I think that's so important. But it's – and I don't know if that's just what we get trained in our heads that like, oh, I have to pretend I'm this big company. And I have to talk on the website like we. And I'm like, I'm not – there's no we. It's just me. Um you know, and so I, I, it's such an important note that I, I think is so simple, but is can be hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, for sure. I think a big problem with this is that also schools teach us like, oh, yeah, this is how you should behave. And like, you should be professional. And um, you should reach out to like wholesale, like you should do wholesale and reach out to stores and stuff. When the internet made things so much easier. Um, and also like, being personable doesn't mean that you automatically have to be unprofessional. You can be professional and still be personal. Yeah. 
There's one launch that was really popular called from Girlfriend Collective. They yeah. gave away free yoga pants. I have a pair. I'd be, <laughs> yeah, me too, because I'm just curious, right? Yeah. Um, and they really messed up the delivery of their um, pre-launch offer. That was a really successful launch. I don't think there's a single woman in the United States that haven't, hasn't heard of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a simple black yoga pant, like really so much hype about a simple black yoga pan. Anyways, at least it wasn't transparent. So wait, but, what was – go ahead. You made a comment they messed up. Yeah, they really messed up on their delivery. Um, I think the pan was supposed to arrive like after two months. I think they took about seven months for my pan to deliver. And they sent out emails like once a month being like, hey, you guys, just wanted to let you know um, here are the four founders and we're in Indonesia right now. And we're checking why our fabric hasn't arrived at the factory yet. Hi, it's still the four founders. We're still in the factory, still <laughs> in Indonesia, where, again, um, we followed up. The fabric's finally arrived. Like, it has to go into cutting and sewing. Hi there. Just wanted to let you know, like, it's in cutting and sewing. It's almost being done. And here's some photos of how we, the founders, A, B, C, and D, are checking that everything is fine with your pant. Um, you know? I had a problem where I couldn't deliver on a product because I told you one time I was called and be like, I'm sorry, but our factory burned down and your product with us. Mm. Um, and it took me like six months to deliver some pre-orders. It was an absolute nightmare. And literally the, th the only thing I could do was send them a photo of the factory and be like, hey guys, sorry, um, this is what happened if you really want the product. I'll keep you posted when I can get it to you. Um, and if not, I'm really sorry. I'm just like one person trying to make this work. Um, let me know if you want a refund or shopping credit or a different product. And actually out of the like 172 or something pre-orders I had for that specific bra, I think I only had to give like five refunds. And the other people chose to wait six months i got a few angry emails in between but in the end like just keeping them posted and being like a human person they were like okay well guess you'll do your best it comes yeah. when it comes and, I and bet, go ahead that's what girlfriend did as well like i i could feel with them so much yeah <laughs> and i bet like a lot of people in your audience who are waiting for that pre-order actually wrote back and were like oh my gosh what a terrible challenge hope everybody's okay at the factory and you yeah. know what no problem like i'm happy to wait like again now you're starting to have a dialogue like it's a friend like you said hey guys the factory burned down i'm trying to deal with this figure it out they write back oh my gosh so sorry that happened happy to wait like let me know if i can do anything in the meet like you you start to create this like friendship dialogue which is really cool for sure actually i <laughs> the result of that was that i had to change my facebook name because so many people started adding me on facebook oh. <laughs> <laughs> um that was a bit difficult um so yeah people started to actually friend me because they felt like we were already friends yeah. and when i announced <laughs> that i will be moving to europe um, and that this is going to be the last month that they can get their hands on my product. I mean, granted, I shared the story also to entice them to buy in bulk, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, but I actually had like people write me emails how sad they were. I still yeah. get emails how sad they are. Um, we shared a few of them, I think, on our Instagram. Um, 
that were just really, really sweet and it really touched my heart, made it so much harder to be like, okay, I'm just going to sell everything and move. Yeah. <laughs> Sad. Um, but at the same time, I had people buy like 23 items at a time and, and my, my items were not cheap. A yoga pants sold anywhere between $99 and $139. That's like wow. higher end. And my sports bra cost between $99 and $149 because they were really expensive and complicated to make. So these are not items that you buy in bulk frequently. So I gave like a 50, 60% discount, I think, in, in the end. And people just ordered so much that I actually ran out of packaging and like had to go to USPS and be like, how many of those boxes can I get of those really large ones? Because I have to ship 23 garments. My jacket was the first thing that sold out for $329. Wow. So it was like, it blew my mind. I have never spent so much time at USPS. I made friends there too. But <laughs> it was great. They always let me skip the line. It was awesome. Okay, so, like, <laughs> like, rule of thumb, just make friends. That, like, if we have to just stop, we, we're not going to stop right here, but, like, if we had to stop right now, like, make friends, be a real person, just... Be a nice person. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, it's... Go ahead. I, I have this girl who um, runs Instagram for me because it's a lot of work, and her name is Chloe. She's amazing, right? Whenever I can, I try to push business her way so that she can pick and choose who she wants to work with. Um, the same is true for my factories. Whenever possible, I will send people their way. Um, so just like be nice and help other people without expecting for them to reciprocate, but most likely they will. But don't have expectations because then you might just be disappointed and it's not really genuine anymore. Just be a nice person. Yeah. It's really the main thing what business comes down to as well. But yeah. Um, it's hard to show that you're a nice person when you're standing online. That is true. That is true. And I think exactly. it's really easy. Like sometimes when we go into like quote unquote business, we somehow like something in our brain shifts into like business mode and we like write copy or write emails that is very structured business like it and and you see it in any aspect of of life you see it if like you're reaching out for a job interview with like your cover letter um it can just get very cut and dry and it's it's like you said it's something that i think gets trained into us at school and it's almost hard to train us out of that and into being nice being a real person and just kind of talking normal um so that reminds me of something yeah, funny. I had a job interview once where the hiring manager asked me, um, actually it was two people hiring, <laughs> and they asked me, well, you said you're so creative. What is the most creative reason we should not hire you? And I just looked at them and was like, what is, in my head, I was like, what a stupid question to ask because I'm not going to tell you because I want to be hired, <laughs> right? So, and, and they told me they wanted to hear something that they'd never heard before. So I was just like, I hate working between 1 and 3 p.m. If I can take a nap, I will. And they just died laughing <laughs> um, so hard because it was so honest. <laughs> it was so honest. Uh, and then they were like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, if you let me nap, I'll also be more productive because yeah. <laughs> that's not my time to work. I hate it. 
I'm I'm early bird. I'll be here at seven a.m. every day. Yeah. <laughs> I just really hate afternoons. Did you, did I don't get like the it. Job? I did. Oh. <laughs> and ironically, I met. Uh, well, so I, I did get the offer. I declined the job. because oh. <laughs> it was in the wrong location for me. But ironically, I met one of the guys. Hang on, that was 2009. I met that per- same person in 2011 um, at a meet and greet. And he looks at me, he's like, I just don't know, you look so familiar. I'm like, I don't know, I don't think I've ever seen you or met you. And then he's like, no, you look so familiar. And then out of the blue, he he, he just like, we were mid-conversation 20 minutes later. He goes like, you were the one who wanted to go nap on our couch. I'm like, shit. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, people like to talk to people, and that isn't just true for your factories or your USP as people. Um, it's true for your hiring managers, your colleagues, your coworkers, your neighbors, everyone. Just and your customers, not- your, the people who might yeah. want to buy something from you, too. Exactly. Um, okay. So, perfect segue. Um, you have a really great perspective on how you continue to talk to your audience. And there's a specific example that I saw on your website that I kind of want to talk a little bit about. And you compared um, Third Love, which is a bra company that's, if you're on Instagram, you've probably, if you're female on Instagram, they've probably advertised to you. Um, So how Third Love talks to their customers versus you contrasted that against an example of how BCBG talks to their customers. So can you, can you expand a little bit on that and talk about some of the concepts behind that? Absolutely. Those two are just such prime examples. Um, Third Love was founded by a woman who I, who worked for Google. Um, BCBG is an old school fashion house. It breaks my heart. BCBG is one of my favorite brands. I worked for them, did evening for, for them. My graduation dress was from them. Uh, so many of my dresses are from them. I had the best time working for them in design. I loved every single second of it. Um, they were like one of my dream companies to work for and one of my favorite companies to shop from. Um, just everything about it I love, but it hurt me and pained me to see that every single time I get got an email from them, it was 30% off, come to the store. In the store, it's 50% off. In that store, it's actually 60% off. It's Valentine's Day. Now we give you 40% off. Um, you should buy your girlfriend something for Valentine's Day. Actually, it's not 40. Now it's 50% off. Very quickly, they trained me to never ever shop at full price because obviously they had a problem getting rid of their product. And if I couldn't find it in the store at a discount, then I would for sure be able to find it um, on their website eventually at a discount or just like wait for the next promo code to come along. And it really just devalued their brand now i've worked at bcbg i know how much work goes into those dresses they're not just dresses sewn together kind of like the things you can buy at zara no they're like french seamed they're beautiful the fabric is sometimes so expensive that they say that they actually have to consider uh eliminating a dress and then they produce it anyways because they just love it so much and sadly not being able to sell online um, not having the skills to sell online 
it's just I think that's one of the main things that they had to declare bankruptcy last year and then they were bought and I think now they just keep doing what they've been doing just with a new owner company yeah um and it's just really heartbreaking and I don't know if you can hear the pain in my voice. It just saddened me so much. So many of my friends who worked at BCBG were let go because they couldn't afford to pay their people anymore or they just couldn't afford to produce as much anymore. But instead of producing a new, like, whole ginormous collection every single month, why couldn't they produce, like, a few awesome pieces every two weeks or something and then like make make it like a launch event for like oh, that thing is there and it's like perfect because it's valentine's day 15 ideas on how you could take your girlfriend on a date and like or like what to wear on specific dates there's the ball game date what should you be wearing oh you could be wearing this really cool blazer and this really sexy top underneath and then there's this like fancy dinner date this is what you could be wearing women would eat that up what shoes to wear to those days how to pair that up with their looks they have such great stylists there um even even lubov azria who's the like head designer she's such great style every day i saw her i was like man i want to look like her and she's like 40 years older than me. Um, it's There's so much potential there. And I really just, man, if I got an, I had to unsubscribe because I got so frustrated with getting another newsletter that tells me that my favorite products, that there's so much work going into them is 50% off. Um, also, there's not a PCPG in Germany. So <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't shop that much anymore with them. Um, they closed the store here uh, for obvious reasons, budgeting and c- budget cuts. Um, so, yeah. And then you contrast that. Let me open that really quick to Third Love. And their very first, um, their very first email that you get um, it's like long cover our way where they talk to, no, that's, that was for Valentine's day, but like their first email is like from the founder, I think, mm. which is like break the mold with a uh, third love where they talk about how they have half sizing and who's behind it. Um, and what exactly they're doing and why they started it. They, they offer half sizing. Their bras are made from memory foam, like all the things that make them special. Right. And you learn that the, um, co-founder of third love is called Heidi. Um, just like you. (laughs) And, you know, like they just tell you a little bit about who they are and who the people are behind the brand. And that's what makes it so special. And then after that, it's followed by an educational email series that teaches you how a bra should fit and what is uh, what to do if it doesn't, um, how to take care of your bra. And I don't know, like five ways to identify if your bra is dead so if you're ready for a new bra which is really smart because that email is then followed up you you just taught your customer that their bra is probably dead and not (laughs) holding them up and that their boobs are going to be saggy and ugly well they didn't put it in they didn't phrase it that way but like if your bra doesn't support you you're gonna get floppy boobs right (laughs) that's why we wear bras we have nice boobs and and 
then they follow it up with like, hey, if you haven't bought from us yet, this is the right chance for you. I mean, we just taught you how to recognize if you need a new bra, like here's 10% off. Um, and I think that entices a lot of people to then hit shop because they just thought about all their bras and were like, yeah, the straps are kind of loose. And also I'm kind of already in the last hook and it, yeah, it is sort of falling apart. Maybe it's time for a new bra. And then two days later, bam, there it is. You can get a bra, like really good bra that is like brand new at like a lower price and that's just great. That's how you really indoctrinate people of like who you are. You, you, you tell the whole story, but you also educate your customers. Same thing with Lululemon. They like educated their customers of like, this is what's important about yoga pants. They should be wicking your sweat. And no, you don't have to work out in like your old band t-shirts that are made from cotton and that are like the perfect breeding ground for bacteria. No, you should be wearing something that's antibacterial and wicks your sweat and dries really fast so that after that you can go for brunch with your girlfriends and not smell and look disgusting. Yeah. So putting that into like the right copy, it really like leaves that thought with people of like, oh, I can't wear that for to the gym anymore. No, it's like the breathing ground for bacteria. And then if I meet my friends for brunch after, yeah, I'm screwed. I, I need that new Lululemon leggings and I need a nice top that doesn't leave sweat stains. Yeah. Oh, there, this is so great. And like, if we were to kind of step back and look at this and frame it in the light of some of the stuff we talked about earlier, the way I see a lot of the stuff you've just said is, okay, so you've got you're, you have a this great pair of leggings and you're talking to your best friend about the leggings. You don't take the leggings to your friend and say, buy these, they're 20% off tomorrow. Buy these, they're 30% off the next day. Buy these, they're 50% off. You take the leggings to your friend and you show them why they're so great. And you show them, hey, did you know it has this feature and this feature? Oh, and by the way, you know those other leggings you're probably wearing? They might be old because the elastic is shredding and this, you've got little white fibers poking out of the waistband or something like that. Like I'm trying to parallel it from the third love example. And so you would, you would take that to your friend and you would give them some education and you would tell them a cool story about the leggings and tell them something interesting. You don't constantly shove it in their face and say 30% off, 40% off, 50% off, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. Um, there's something bigger there with like, like you said, sharing your story, introducing yourself, providing some value, some education. And, and so just to kind of parallel that back to approaching this like a real person and a nice person and being a friend, it's not sell, 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 sell. It's value, education, engagement, interaction. And then, hey, we also have this product and we think it would be a great fit for you because of A, B, and C. Like you do have to sell. Going back to what we talked about at the beginning, like a CTA or call to action, you do have to sell. But there's a buildup to that. And there's an engagement and educational portion and a value portion of that too. Sending a bunch of emails of 30% off, 30% off, 30% off is not really valuable to me. And you're also, like you said, training me that, well, it's always on sale, so I don't even care about buying it. Yeah, for sure. I think fashion has a huge issue with devaluing their own product. Yeah. Um, because everything's always on sale, especially if you walk into department stores, which is why I think um, Charms close like, 20% or something Nordstrom's or, or 
or, or Saks, I don't know. They got rid of, like, a lot of their department stores because everything was always on sale. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, yeah, thinking of talking to people like they're your friends, um, you can even take it a step back because you don't even know the people that come to your website. It's like being at a party. You don't walk up to the next uh, guy and go, like, hi. My name is Virginia. I want to take you home and make babies with you. No, like, you know, like, hi, my name is Virginia. Nice to meet you. Oh, what do you do? Where do you live? Oh, that's so nice. Like, what, what are your passions? What are your hobbies? You start a conversation first. And I think so many people just don't know how to start conversations online. And or if it's not a hot guy, I mean, I'm married. For me, that doesn't work anymore. But, like, let's say you go to a networking event. You don't shove, like here, this is what I want to earn, and, like, you can hire me now in a hiring manager's face. You go, like, hi, my name is Virginia, nice to meet you. How about we swap some business cards? That would be your email address. And then maybe we can talk more about what I can do for you, what you can do for me, whether this business and I fit together, and what are the things that we both bring to the table and how we can make this a match made in heaven. Yeah. Um, and that's really how you should approach everything you do online. But because so many people really struggle with that and because it never, ever, ever gets talked about in the fashion industry, that's really why I'm so passionate about my business and my, and my, um, yeah, my, my product. This is what I want to teach people of like, hey, this is how you start a conversation online with, with the people you could potentially sell to. Um, and this is how you can talk to them. This is how you tell like both visually, but also, um, linguistically, like this is how you can sell your story. And this is how you can make that whole process very natural rather than like walking up to someone being like, Hey, I want to take you home. Cause no one likes that. Yeah. No one, not in real life and not online. It's still the same people. They're just behind a computer screen. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's where there's kind of a disconnect because you wouldn't ever, I mean, I shouldn't say you wouldn't ever because I think it could happen, but like in real <laughs> life, right? Because whatever, things happen and, and people act a certain way or maybe you get really nervous and you freeze and you just say something really too forward. And I've been guilty. I, I, I'm i guilty of having no filter. Um, but, but still. But that's the nice thing about online. You can think before you say it, right? You can. You can but, think but I, and reconsider you can but i also think you also have to remember that there's a bunch of real people on the other side of that email or on the other side of that website like that's where i think some of the disconnect can happen is like when you're in real life especially in person i mean on the phone is one thing but especially in person when there's like another warm body that you're talking to like interactions have a certain progression like you start with the introduction you share a little bit of valuable information maybe a cool story or a cool tip or whatever it may be and then maybe you would ask for something if that was you know your typical journey and maybe you wouldn't even ask for something at that point but online it's like there's this I think there's just a disconnect with oh it's just this website but no there's real people on the other side of that website there's real people on the other side of that email and you have to look at it as the same thing yeah, but if you struggle with, uh, I mean, the number one thing is to recognize that that's how it works. Um, when I started, I definitely did not recognize that. Um, I had to learn that. Yeah. But then also the other thing is like, as I said, right in the beginning, it's like you don't have to try to reinvent the wheel. Like you can just uh, buy in either talent if you have the capital, but usually it's much cheaper to just buy in the knowledge and like, 
um, learn these kinds of things by investing in, I don't know, a few hundred or maybe a thousand dollars into a course that will teach you exactly like how, how you can do Instagram or how you can do Pinterest or how to, I don't know, make a website that sells really well or how to tell your stories online. I mean, there's so many resources out there, um, especially in the entrepreneurship world, but you can, well, either you, you do the work and adjust it for the fashion world yourself or you just find resources like this podcast or like my, my blog um, that will help you. There, there's not that many out there, but once you find one, you usually find the others as well. Yeah. So on that note, um, let can you share a little bit about how people can can find and reach out and work with you? Because you have this like really, really dialed in and you do it specifically in the fashion space, which I think is super important because it's easy to find a bunch of content out there. But if it doesn't, if it's not really tailored to your industry or your niche or stuff that you're familiar with, I think it can be hard to relate it. Um, and so you you help people with this specifically in the fashion space. So share a little bit about what you do and how people can work with you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, typically right now people will probably find us through our Instagram, um, but I'm, I'm going to focus more on Pinterest once there's more content up. Um, there's a blog and a website called fashionfounder.me, so M-E, um, and on the blog, I right now have, I think five or six posts, um, that I try to make as thorough and actionable. So you can read it and you can imp immediately sit down and implement the things, um, you learn. And there's also two eBooks. One is about how to find factories where I share my top 10 strategies, um, to find a factory. Cause when I started out in San Francisco, I was like, oh my God, there's not a single factory in this town. Um, and it took a lot of private detective skills, um, which I, I, I really like to play like I'm a private detective and I got, I got very creative there finding them. Um, and I share all the strategies that I use to find, uh, in the end, over 10 different factories in San Francisco, who knew, um, that had the skills and capabilities to sew what I needed. Um, and then I also share in one other ebook how to create a beautiful Instagram feed because fashion is super visual. And um, yeah, a lot of people simply struggle with creating that coherent brand experience. Um, and they don't know what to post. And most importantly, they don't know how to save themselves a lot of time. <laughs> um, because not all the content has to be your own. That's something I think a lot of people really don't realize yeah um and then i also have paid products um one is called the instagram super pack it is like three different ebooks and um expert interviews um one of them is with a blogger friend of mine we went to parsons together her name is tina and <laughs> a little over a year ago i called her and i was like what are you doing i've been following you for on instagram since forever your photos are so pretty you have amazing clothes it's such good content and you have 500 followers since a year what the hell are you doing do you need help um and it was very straightforward true to my german nature <laughs> um, and she was like oh wow that was direct um yeah well if you can help me sure so i started mentoring her and she's just approaching sixty thousand followers now wow um and she just really needed like a little 
like a little incentive and like something that got her going and now she's like doing amazing with it so the instagram super pack is one where tina also tells her story and um like her learnings and then I also have this other paid product, which is called Designer Launchpad. Um, it's uh, basically like the equivalent of an eight-week course, which takes you from sketch to successfully launching online. So it goes from, okay, how to find factories. Yeah, you already know that from the ebook, but like how to start working with them. What do you do if they really mess up your product? Um I have some really fun, entertaining photos in there of like amazing things my factory has shown. It was just never my design. Um, <laughs> from like, where does this fabric even come from? Because it's not the one I bought. And where the hell did my fabric go? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, do you notice it's a green color when it was supposed to be gray like <laughs> what happened so like what do you do in these kinds of situations what do you do if you've already sold a lot of product and it's falling apart what like how do you deal with this with your factory but also in general how can you prevent these things from happening yeah on day one um to all the way okay like you need a website how do you tell your story on the website how do you get people to find your website so again like how do you how do you get traffic for traffic like paving um oh my god paving that way for people to find your website and then how do you build your sales funnel again like the whole experience from like first ever seeing you and finding you all the way through they've received their product and they love it and they leave you a positive review so like it's really a very thorough and coherent course for basically every fashion designer that wants to sell online while I don't focus on Etsy, you could also apply these things to Etsy because it's not that different. Um, my personal favorite is Shopify, and that's what I what I use as an example because that's what I use as well for my business. And yeah, it's just really like kind of taking people by the hand, trying and and holding their hand throughout the whole process. Um, and then we also have the Facebook group. Um, there's a free one, FashionFounder.hub, and then. The Designer Launchpad has their own Facebook group um, where we share, for example, like resources like factory lists and um, freelancers that we've worked with um, so that just everyone has a much easier time um, and a much easier life getting their business on the feet so that they can really focus on like, okay, um, I know sales are coming in. That's that's working. I, that's a well-oiled machine. I don't need to focus on that. Um, I can focus on okay. How am I going to grow my business? How am I going to make more sales next month? How am how am I going to hire the next person? Who is the next person to hire? So it's really that kind of handholding that I wish I had had when I started, and that luckily I received kindly from other entrepreneurs after I reached out to them. Yeah, and so, so you've got it all packaged up. Um, I, I do not want to discount the value of some of the resources you have on your site. Um, the eBooks, you guys, these things I've read through both of them and they are like through the roof, thorough, detailed. It's not one of these, Oh, quick stop shop, 500 word post, how to sell your clothing line, how to find a factory. Like these are super, super detailed in depth. Um, so I'll put links to all of this in the show notes and definitely really, really valuable, useful, 
um, content on your site. Um, so I, I didn't want to gloss over how truly amazing these pieces of content are. It's not often you find that type of stuff um, in our industry, especially for free. And you've got multiple things on your site that fall into that category. So I, I, I definitely want to highlight that. Um, this has been so thank much fun. You. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, thank you. I mean, I think it's um, you've put a lot of effort into this. And, and honestly, reading through some of the material, you could take this and apply it and find your factory using this free ebook. Um, so this has been phenomenal, Virginia. So nice to chat with you. Um, I'd like to end with the question I ask everybody at the end of the interview. And that is, what is something people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would ask? What do I not know yet? Ah, I love that. Because, like, I started assuming that I knew quite a lot, but I guess, I, like, what is the one thing that I don't know yet? <laughs> um, because that's that's the that's usually the one thing that someone with more experience wish they had known um, when they started. And for me, it was like, what did I not know? It was, there are so many people who know how to do this and you can ask for help and they will help you um, even free of charge um, because people are simply nice um, and that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like there's like, there's, there's such clear roadmaps on how to do these things and you don't have to kill yourself. Um, so yeah, getting, just get your hands on those because you will save so much money. Oh my God. If I had had roadmaps like on day one, I would have probably saved 20 or $30,000. So yeah, that's, that's how, how, how stupid I was for not looking for the right help. I, I mean, I did look, I, I did buy every single book off Amazon, but sure. It was just most of them were crap. Mm. Um, there's one by uh, oh, I forgot her first name, but her last name is Kinsella. It's the Entrepreneur's Guide to Sewn Product Manufacturing. Oh, Kathleen Fosnella. Yeah, she's been on the show. I'll link to her episode oh. in the show notes. She's phenomenal. Yeah, she is amazing. Yeah, right. And I found this book after a year of killing myself because I googled how to fix a camel toe. And her blog mm. happened to pop up. <laughs> but I did not find it on Amazon before. So it was really frustrating. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. If I had had this book before, my production journey would have been a little easier. Yeah. Oh, my so like, God. Get templates, get resources, get roadmaps for how to do these things and stop killing yourself. And read Virginia's blog, Fashion Founder on Me, and buy Kathleen's book, and listen to the interview with her because it was really, really valuable as well. Um, yeah. Wow. This has been so much fun, Virginia. Gotta look up that interview. I don't yeah. think I've seen that one on your on your podcast yet. Yeah. That's the first thing I will do after we hang up. It's great. <laughs> it's so fun. She's, you know, I love her because she's really cut. Well, first of all, she's insanely knowledgeable, insanely knowledgeable, yeah. but she's very just like cut and dry and blunt and to the point. Like she doesn't beat around the bush. She doesn't sugarcoat anything. Um, I like that. Yeah. And her book, I mean, it's an old book. I It was one of the first books I read in my, you. <laughs> yeah, in my fashion journey. Somehow I found it. I lucked out and found it really early on, um, like years ago, back in 2000, gosh, I don't know, seven and so then it was really cool to get to interview her um, on the show and and 
chat with her in you know as much real life as we could get. I think her I think her first chapter also summarizes it as this: Don't be a jerk designer. Like yeah. you depend on those factories goodwill to take you in because as a young designer you're most likely going to screw up their production processes <laughs> which is so true be nice yeah it's, bring your sewers cupcakes yeah it goes a long way <laughs> so oh my yeah. gosh that's great um and i just found it at, i was looking to the site it's episode 15 so it's um just sfdnetwork.com slash 15 um if you guys want to check out the interview with kathleen and i'll put the link in the notes um, Virginia, this has been so, so, so much fun. Really, really insanely valuable with all the advice. And you guys definitely check out the site um, and and dig through all of her resources. And I got to check out that Instagram thing because I Instagram is a place where I just I post random pictures. It's I do it very. I, I almost run mine more as like a a personal normal account and a business and but I'm still all over the place I've got the email stuff figured out but Instagram is still I'm like that awkward person like I don't know what to post this feels weird I don't know blah 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 I'll just post a picture of my dog (laughs) (laughs) that can for sure work but if you want to use it as like a traffic like the first step of your funnel yeah then I think having some strategy to it might probably be a good idea. And maybe, I'll, send you, I'll send you something after. Okay, send me something. And maybe for me it's okay because it's definitely not the first step of my funnel. It's not where people find me. So um, so it's, it's just a different path I took to, to get to where I've gotten. So thank you so much, Virginia. This has been fantastic to chat with you. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. And thank you so much, Virginia, for all your amazing help. Don't forget to check out all of her resources. They really are super, super valuable, and I know you're going to love them. I appreciate each and every one of you listeners, and I will remind you, the best way you can help the show is to share it with someone else. So take 30 seconds. It really doesn't take much time. And shoot your best friend a text message with a link to the podcast. Send it to someone who who you recently connected with on LinkedIn. Just randomly send them a nice little piece of value. Say, hey, I listened to the podcast and I thought you would find it helpful too since you work in fashion. It's really great. Uh, I get so so much feedback and compliments from you guys on how great the show is and how much you love it. So please help spread the word and get this show into more people's earbuds. Thank you so much, you guys. I really do appreciate all of you. Last, as always, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources we mentioned in this episode, you can visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash 46. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you next week.